this is the Flavor of Leadership podcast. I am your host, Clint Hoops. Together, we explore the unique blend of leadership wisdom that helps top leaders consistently achieve work goals, develop personally, and find fulfillment with family. Let's get started. Welcome back. This is episode number 24. Today, we're going to be talking about sleep. In our house, we have a brand new baby. Mentioned this a couple episodes ago. And new babies always seem to result in less sleep for everyone involved, specifically my my dear wife, Angie. She is absolutely amazing. She takes the brunt of, of caring for, for our new little one. And even though our current little baby has absolutely been amazing, she's actually slept through a good chunk of the night in, in recent nights. But man, those first few weeks get a little heavy. You know, she's up most of the night, just like new little babies are. And that results in a whole lot less sleep than you're used to. A lot more interrupted sleep <laughs> than than we're used to. And even though we've had several other children, it never quite prepares you for for how it's going to be when this new baby comes. And when the baby does have a great night's sleep and it results in everyone else having a great night's sleep as well, wow. Everyone truly does feel so much better and so much happier with that uninterrupted sleep. It's it's just amazing what that can do for you in so many different ways. I have a smartwatch. I've had a smartwatch for, for a few years, but I've never really worn it at night when I'm sleeping. And not too long ago, I, I decided to to try some little sleep functions on the smartwatch. So I wore it to bed for, for quite some time. I've been wearing it to bed for, for quite a while now. And it's kind of fun. I like to see how it tracks my sleep. And so it'll track and it'll tell me exactly when I went to bed and when I woke up. You know, it, it senses, you know, when you when you stop movement and you're you're asleep in bed and and it it can sense. I don't know exactly how it senses everything, but it but it will sense, you know, based on heart rate and and movement and things like that. It can it can sense, I guess, and guess at at what your sleep stages might be, right? Deep sleep, REM sleep. It it'll even show when you when you wake up for some reason or you're startled awake or and then go back to sleep any of those number of things and it will it will show them during the night you can kind of see it and and I have kind of a, a track record of you know months actually of my sleep and it's very interesting to go see it'll spit out some little reports so that you can say okay in the last day in the last week in the last month you know how much sleep have you gotten and sometimes it's kind of shocking I'll go through little stages where I do pretty darn good at getting a good, you know, seven and a half, eight hours of sleep. And then before I know it, my average for the week or for the month is is hovering closer to the six or six and a half mark. And it'll have little ups and downs, you know, maybe on the weekend, it'll be a little bit, a little bit higher. And there are so many different factors in what cause you get sleep. You know, I just different times of life, like I said, right now in our life, less sleep is is kind of the name of the game, but we know that that will pass as the baby gets a little older. Other times of life, you have times where work is super busy, super crazy, and you're working later, or maybe you're going to, to school, or you're doing any number of things that take extra time. If we don't manage our time well, we, we find ourselves cutting into our sleep instead of cutting into other parts of our lives. Last week on the podcast, we talked about distraction and talked about distraction's role in taking away our time, and, and that often results in in less sleep as well. 
I know for me, so many of the distractions that clamor for my attention in the evening when things kind of settle down and calm down, finally get a chance to do something on your phone, look up something you've been meaning to look up, put on a TV show, or do any number of things. Unfortunately, as we'll talk about a little bit later on today's show, is unfortunately those very things <laughs> involving screens are actually some of the worst things we can do as we're preparing to sleep. But but they all, all of these different distractions can clamor for our attention, and some of them are, are better than others to do at night before you're going to sleep. But before we get into too many details about, about how to sleep better and and some of those things, I, I want to talk a little bit about why sleep is so important. I know it, I know it seems like we all know that it's important, but yet, like many things in life, recognizing it's important and actually treating it in that way and changing our actions is, is a whole different story. Many of us know that sleep is incredibly important, but most of us are not getting enough sleep. And even though we think we might be getting enough sleep. We're probably not. We're probably not. So in a book, I read this several years ago, it's called Essentialism, the Disciplined Pursuit of Less by a man named Greg McEwen. So in his book, he, he said this, he said, I found that most are just so used to being tired, they have forgotten what it really feels like to be fully rested. The best asset we have for making a contribution to the world is ourselves. If we underinvest in ourselves, and by that mean, by that I mean our minds, our bodies, and our spirits, we damage the very tool we need to make our highest contribution. One of the most common ways people, especially ambitious, successful people, damage this asset is through a lack of sleep. Our highest priority is to protect our ability to prioritize. So if we have a lack of sleep, we may actually lose our ability to prioritize properly. We get sleep deprived and may not actually realize it. We start not prioritizing in the right way because we're not thinking clearly. And sleep deprivation, we often think sleep deprivation means, you know, you pull an all-nighter and you have and you just can't function well after that. You know, you're so tired, you're literally falling asleep as you're trying to do things. But there's a different level of sleep deprivation. It's the gradual sleep deprivation where it's an hour here, hour there, and, and you don't operate at your highest level. As Greg McEwen says, we underinvest in ourselves in this way with sleep. He actually uses a phrase that I love in this book. He says, he talks about as doing our sleep and making sure we get enough sleep as protecting the asset. So you are the asset, right? The asset is you. You are your best asset. And your ability to think and reason and prioritize, that is what makes you the top asset. And so he says, protect the asset is what he says. And I've, I've loved that phrase. When you're not sleeping enough or not focusing and doing those things, you're not protecting the asset. You're actually hurting yourself. And you don't fully realize it when you're doing it. You think you're fine. Greg McEwen also quotes John Maxwell in his book by saying, you cannot overestimate the unimportance of practically everything. So he's saying, often many of the things that we are staying awake to do or losing sleep because of those things 
are actually not important for the most part. And so often we are trading wonderful sleep hours and sleeping less for things that really aren't that important. Or we'll be sleeping less in an effort to be more productive. But in the end, we actually make ourselves less productive and take more time to do those things, which actually give us less sleep and it's counterintuitive. So what unimportant things are taking priority over your sleep? I know for me, this kind of, as I was going through this, I was thinking it kind of flashed me back to a time when I was in school. When I was in school, I was working full-time most of the time I was in school, went to school while I was married and had and having young kids years ago. And I remember being just exhausted from work because I would have to go study either late at night or early in the morning. And I remember some of those late nights where I would sit there at school, sit in the library, working on a project or studying for a test or working on an assignment of some sort. And I remember just staring at the same page and making no progress for several minutes at a time, but I'm almost like in a trance. It, I mean, you, you probably had this happen to you as well when you're trying to, to work or study or read when it's really late or you're really exhausted and tired. And, and I felt like I had to do it. Like I had to push through. I had to get this done. And often I wouldn't make very good progress. I'd be very inefficient. And what I began to do instead as I began to focus on trying to get better sleep. So I began to work on getting to bed earlier, waking up in the morning, and I could study in a fraction of the time. When I would just go to bed and wake up early, even if I woke up really early in the morning, I found that after a, after a good night's sleep, I could, I could study and focus so much better. So this became so prevalent to me, and it helped me realize, wow, I just need to focus and make sure that I was getting enough sleep, and then everything else would, would work out. Even though it didn't seem like there'd be enough time to do it, it, it would work out. So there, there is a man by the name of Dr. Matthew Walker. So he's a sleep expert, and he is also the author of a book called Why We Sleep. He was also the presenter of, a, of an incredibly popular TED Talk on the same topic. So I actually put a link to the book and the TED Talk for you, so you can, you can take a look and, and check it out. It goes into even greater detail about some of these things that I'm about to share. And so you can check those out in the show notes. So Matthew Walker, he says this. He says, after 30 years of intensive research, we can now answer many of the questions posed earlier. So earlier in the book, he had actually posed some questions on, on sleep deprivation and, and things like that. And he said, the recycle rate of a human being is around 16 hours. After 16 hours of being awake, the brain begins to fail. Humans need more than seven hours of sleep. So hear that? Humans need more than seven hours of sleep each night to maintain cognitive performance. After 10 days of just seven hours of sleep, the brain is as dysfunctional as it would be after going without sleep for 24 hours. Three full nights of recovery, which is more nights than you have in a weekend, right, are insufficient to restore performance back to normal levels after a week of short sleeping. Finally, the human mind cannot accurately sense how sleep-deprived it is when sleep-deprived. So let's break that down again. 
He's saying we need more than seven hours of sleep or we can begin to have our brains fail and become dysfunctional to the point where after just 10 days of sleeping seven hours a night versus eight, you will be as impaired as if you had went without sleep for 24 hours. That's kind of mind-boggling when you think about it. I know most people that I deal with seems like are getting less than seven hours of sleep. They have demanding jobs or other demanding things in life that that make it seem as though it's not possible to get to get that much sleep. Or they've just gotten used to not having a full night's sleep and are sleep deprived and don't even realize it, right? We don't even realize it. So how much sleep do you get? I mean, I'm sure you're thinking about this as you're listening to this. You're thinking, oh, either A, you know, hey, I, I, get, I get plenty of sleep. I get over eight hours of sleep. I'm doing pretty good. Or you're one of those people that think, do you know what? I'm different. I can get along with less sleep. I function perfectly well on six or seven hours of sleep. And the studies are quite astounding. And they show that if we say that to ourselves, that in fact, we would be wrong. <laughs> they said that there are people that say this, but it's a very small percentage, like like a fraction of a percent that in fact can function at an optimal level with seven hours of sleep. And Dr. Walker, he actually shares some of those statistics. And so he goes on a little bit further in his book and he says, in the Northern Hemisphere, the switch to daylight savings time in March results in most people losing an hour of sleep opportunity. Should you tabulate millions of daily hospital records, as researchers have done, you discover that the seemingly trivial sleep reduction comes with a frightening spike in heart attacks the following day. Impressively, it works both ways. In the autumn, within the Northern Hemisphere, when the clocks move forward, we gain an hour of sleep opportunity time. Rates of heart attacks plummet the day after. A similar rise and fall relationship can be seen with the number of traffic accidents, proving that the brain, by way of attention, lapses, and microsleeps, is just as sensitive as the heart to very small per <clears throat> excuse me, perturbations, probably slaughtered that word, of sleep. Most people think nothing of losing an hour of sleep for a single night, believing it to be trivial and inconsequential. It is anything but. That was kind of astounding to me to think, oh my goodness, they have the data, right? They have actual data that shows that heart attacks go up and car accidents go up. So that shows that there is a huge stress that happens on our bodies and on our organs and our bodies from not getting enough sleep, as well as our ability to focus and our ability to reason. All of those different things that you need to drive a vehicle go down. And we are impaired, right? Truly impaired when, when we don't get enough sleep. And, and it's proven. It's interesting. So how do we change things? with our sleep. I don't want to be impaired. I want to be operating at my top performance for work as well as for personal items that I want to do myself. I want to be alert, awake, and, and ready to go. So right now, 
right? I'm in a difficult time in life where it's hard to get that average of eight hours of sleep that's recommended by the National Sleep Foundation and Dr. Matthew Walker. But it's a short time. So how do we do this? Getting to bed on time, I believe, is, is quite hard for a lot of people as it requires changing your evening routine from what maybe you've established over a lot of time. People often define themselves as either a morning person or a night person, but, but honestly, I think I found in my life that it's pretty much whatever you commit to and whatever your habits are, are done, you can become a, a morning person by just going to bed earlier. It will begin to change what you are or, or vice versa. If you get up later and, and stay up later in the evening, then, then that happens as, as well. You start liking staying up and your body gets used to that rhythm and that routine. So if you're going to stay up later, that's fine. Some people work later in the evening. They work in different time zones and actually actually work later in the evening instead of in the morning. Perfectly fine as long as you're able to still get that, that sleep that you need. So perhaps you're committed to sleep longer, right? You're convinced you've, you know, you've listened to some of these things or, or you've watched some of these, you know, the videos and seen some of the links that I've sent and you say, wow, okay, sleep is incredibly important. What do I have to do? You know, and you find out that, wow, my problem is just getting to sleep in the first place, falling asleep. I am very blessed to not have that problem. <laughs> I, I find that most of the time for me, as soon as my head hits the pillow, I'm, I'm able to fall asleep pretty quickly. And my wife actually teases me because sometimes I, I, I sleep pretty darn quickly and, and she doesn't fall asleep quite that, quite that fast. So she'll, you know, she'll poke me and say, stay awake. And so, so it's fun. So if you're, if you're not blessed with that ability to be able to fall asleep quickly, there are some things that you can do. Dr. Matthew Walker gives 11 steps for better sleep. And so some of these might help you. They might help you as you're trying to get to sleep or even help you stay asleep a little longer. A lot of these aren't going to be brand new things. But as you bring them to the forefront of your mind, one of them might click this time as you're wanting to change your routine and begin to get into the habit of having more sleep. So the first one he recommends actually is find a routine. So working with your body's internal clock to make sure that you follow that specific sleep-wake cycle, right? Try to be as consistent as possible in going to bed the same time, waking up the same time each day. I know for me, I find that when I go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time for, for a certain amount of time, eventually my body begins to catch up and I will wake up, you know, minutes before my alarm clock often. My body is just ready to wake up. And it's so much easier to get going when your body wakes up naturally this way. I'm sure you've had different times in your life where that's happened. And so get back into that. It makes all the difference. Number two, he says to cut the late night cardio. So often having all of those late night workouts can actually make it tough for your brain to wind down. So consider working out in the morning, perhaps, if you're able to. If you get to bed earlier, it might be easier to be able to work out in the morning. Number three is reduce caffeine and nicotine consumption. He also says, number four, to tamp down on the alcohol. So similar reasons, making sure that some of these substances can actually keep you awake or change some of the ways that you sleep. So good to avoid those, especially late at night. Number five, eating late at night can be a problem. So he says eat light in the evening which is kind of counterintuitive in, in some of our culture. 
I know we will often eat our biggest meal of the day, you know, in the evening or even late at night. Number six, he says, talk to your doctor about your medication schedule. So perhaps you take medications and maybe the reason you have trouble sleeping is because some of those medications that you take at maybe later in the day are actually keeping you awake. Something to consider if you have trouble. Number seven, leave time to unwind. So as part of your routine, make sure that you have a chance to relax before bed. You know, read, listen to some music, write in a journal, any of those kind of things can help. You might notice that we didn't mention using your phone, using a screen, watching TV. That's something that I know I often like to do in the evenings. It's the only chance I get to do those types of things. But he recommends that, especially that hour right before you go to bed, to avoid those screens as they can they can actually make it tough for your body to begin to wind down and go to sleep. Number eight, he says baths are best. So he says, you know, before you go to bed, taking a hot bath can actually help your body temperature drop a little bit before you go to bed, which can actually help keep you asleep and make you feel a little more sleepier and more relaxed. Number nine, he actually says, don't have any devices within your room. He says, keep your cell phones, your iPads, TVs, any of those things in another room. Get rid of electronics altogether that can cause noise or any of those things. He says, if you really have trouble getting to sleep, he said, actually, even get the alarm clock out of the room. He says, sometimes people can be hyper aware of the time. And so that causes some anxiety and they and they don't sleep as well. Sometimes having all of those things and having just a nice, cool, dark and gadget-free place can actually be the best thing for you. So number 10, he says, get some sun. So during the daytime, make sure you get out and get some sun. He says it can actually help you sleep better in the evening just by getting 30 minutes of sunshine every day. Good practice for all of us. Number 11, he says, avoid laying in bed for too long. So if you find yourself being, being one who cannot nod off at night, cannot sleep, he says, don't just sit there awake. He says your brain will begin to associate being awake in bed and being anxious in bed, and it can just get worse and worse. So he says, if you're not really asleep or sleepy after 25 to 30 minutes lying in bed, he says, get up, get out and try to find some relaxing activity, something else you can do away from your room until you start feeling sleepy again. Then head on back to bed and lie down. So lots of great tips, but it still can seem tough, but it is possible. Just like all the things we talk about, any of the positive change that we want to make in life, you just got to do it. There's a man by the name of Hal Elrod. You may have heard of him. He's the author of a book called Miracle Morning. And so this book actually changed my life a number of years ago when I first read it. It helped me actually learn to get to sleep a little bit better. It helped me develop more of a better morning routine. And that's actually what we're going to talk about next week. We're going to talk about morning routines and how after you've had a great night routine and you're able to get a great night's sleep and getting more sleep, you're going to wake up ready to do more and take on the world. And so a great morning routine can actually be a perfect complement to going to bed on time and getting that great rest. So Hal Elrod, he said this, he said, those who only do what they feel like don't do much. To be successful at anything, you must take action, even when you don't feel like it, knowing that the action itself will produce the motivation you need to follow through. Getting to bed, developing that sleep pattern, 
probably not going to be easy if you haven't done it before. It's hard to make that a priority. And so even when you don't feel like it, just do it if you want to be successful. And then that action will come and will trigger other positive actions. I know you can do this. Until next week. Thanks for joining me on this week's episode of the Flavor of Leadership podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at flavoroflidership.com. Thanks for listening.